everybody. This is Crystal. This is Kat. Welcome back to Alternative Interests. Yay. Yeah, um, this is our fourth time trying this recording, <laughs> so that's all I've got in me. <laughs> I still had a yay. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Um, you don't even have that. I don't. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I really wanted to mention at the beginning of this episode was that I I am sure everyone's heard of this because when something is this insane, everyone hears about it. But that absolutely batshit murder-suicide in Pennsylvania. Yes, you and I, we were talking about that the other day. I So when I watched it the first time, I didn't have my sound on and then halfway halfway through I realized oh I need to turn on the sound and I turned on the sound and it was so awful yeah so awful but you know and I showed my husband and he was like have you read articles about it and I'm like no not really I haven't read a lot of articles and apparently the the couple that the neighbors that were living across the street had always been horrible to this man, the man oh. that ended up shooting him. And and you can kind of see in the video, not that this is an excuse at all, but um, he... Oh, you can, abs- you can hear it. That yeah. They're, just, they're calling him... Um, what did they call him? I can't remember. I don't know what they called him. Oh, they were calling him a, the... P- a- a pussy. They were calling him a pussy, and they were, and they said that he was, um, he was lazy or something. Like yeah, that. he was. He was a piece of shit. He was lazy. I guess this couple was awful to him, and even when he came out on the driveway with his gun, they were still walking towards him, challenging mm-hmm. him. And for those of you who don't know, who or who haven't heard the story, um, both the neighbors are dead, and then the man who shot the neighbors goes back inside to his house and and kills himself as well. So it was a murder-suicide thing. Yeah, but that was absolutely insane. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that was awful. Yeah. So um, moving on to other true crime news. (laughs) Um, So we have been doing a lot of two-part episodes lately (laughs) we're so sorry (laughs) i know and i wanted to just do a really quick one for you guys um every topic i started researching just very quickly turned into nope i can't do this in one episode can't do this one either (laughs) and so thursday night i found this topic that i'm going to cover today and you know, it's a long one. <laughs> it it should be two parts, but I'm just going to give it to you in one really long part because I didn't I didn't tell the listeners this. We never committed to this on a recording, but I committed it to myself that I was going to do a one a and short one. Episode. I always that's what every time I look for cases, I'm always going into it thinking that too. But I think that shows that you and I, like, we really want to do our due diligence and yeah. research it. So, yeah. so like, sorry, guys. Sorry, there's so many two-parters. Oh, man. Okay. So I know that I just did the story of a dif- disappearance. And I try yes. not to do too many repeats of yeah. covering the same type of thing over and over. But this, I'm going to talk today about the disappearance of Phoenix Colden. 
Okay. And it seemed really straightforward. And then I found a documentary and the documentary, like it was a two part documentary and it was just so much information. Well, aren't those the famous last words? This seemed like. I know. I know. That's, yeah. This so, seems straightforward, but it wasn't. No, it definitely was not. <laughs> so we're just, we're going to get right in here. And okay, let's do it. Settle in because it'll be a while. All right. In my comfy child Ikea chair. Here we go. Okay. So <laughs> um, Sunday, December 18th, 2011 was a relatively normal day for the Colden family. So 23-year-old Phoenix Colden and her mother Goldia Colden went to church together. I guess this was fairly normal for them. They would go to ch- church together pretty often. I'm loving the names. So I'll tell you that right away. Phoenix I, and Goldia. This I do. Is like, and her father's is name is Lawrence. Wow. Are I they like, famous? That no. is. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to have a famous family and be famous, like. Oh, yeah. Lawrence, Goldia and Phoenix. That's. I like those. Those yeah. are good names. Okay. Right. So the Colden family lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and. Phoenix had actually just moved back into her parents' house. So in 2007, she had moved out and was living in an apartment with some roommates while she went to college. Mm -hmm. And she had moved back in in May of 2011. So just a couple months before this happened. Okay. She was going to the University of Missouri-St. Louis, which is right there in town. And what happened was... Uh, her parents just could not afford the rent on her apartment anymore. And her oh. mom just said, hey, you're going to school right here in town. Come back and live at home because you, you're going to school right here. You may as well live with us. Oh, wow. They were paying for her apartment? Yeah. Oh, that was very generous. Of yes. Them. It was her mom's name on her lease. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at this time, the Goldia and Lawrence's car was actually in the shop. So they were relying on Phoenix for transportation for a couple of days. And okay. that's why the two of them went together, along with the fact that they were living together. Mm-hmm. But that's why they went to church together. Okay. On the way home from church, they made a really quick pit stop at a store, just a convenience store on the way home. And they arrived home at about 2 p.m. So the Coldens house was located in a really quiet middle-class family neighborhood they were like very solidly middle class they were not super well off but they weren't Mm. poor either Mm -hmm. and access to their neighborhood was kind of like a one way in one way out so this is really like a, a quiet neighborhood it's not in the middle of the city it's just it's out there was it gated or anything like that? Or just no. one of those one-way streets where you it's go in? It's just one and of those one-way streets, like yeah. a, a cul-de-sac. cul-de-sac. That's just, yeah. yeah. Okay. So at about 3 p.m., Phoenix walked out of the house. She passed by her father, Lawrence. Lawrence said she didn't say a single word as she walked out. He just saw her go out, get in her car, and drive away. Oh. And okay. Well, her parents said that initially they thought that maybe she had just gone to a friend's house or maybe a store because I guess it was normal for her to just like hop in the car and go to this store and come back. But she just passed by her dad and didn't say a word. And nope. Was that the first that wasn't the first time she saw her dad that day? No. 
Okay, so it was just like a maybe. No, it was just kind of going out. Yeah. He said that at the time he really didn't think much of it. Yeah, so it was probably normal, right? Like, You'll actually see this is not normal. Oh, okay. But uh, Monday morning comes and Phoenix wasn't home. And they were both like, this is completely not normal. Phoenix Uh does not stay out all night. This isn't her. So they call the police. Okay. And this is actually, I'll, because you mentioned it, this must be normal yeah. for her. I'll actually uh-huh. tell you about Phoenix. Okay. So, I mean, there is no other way to describe her than impressive. Oh. Like, just everything you hear about this girl, she was um, she was on the dean's list and honor roll the entire time she attended college mm-hmm. at... Um, University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'll call it UMSL from now on because that's what the students refer to it as. Ooh, UMSL. Okay. She had been homeschooled since elementary school and she excelled in music. She played the guitar, the violin, and piano. And Oh, awesome. Yeah, and her mom actually said it was really cute. Her mom said that she would love to wake up on Sunday mornings because her daughter would be practicing piano in the mornings. Oh, that is cute. Yeah. I um, give props to whoever knows how to play musical instruments. I really wish I stuck to every musical instrument I thought I wanted to play <laughs> growing up and then never did. So I play five. Oh, oh, Crystal. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, give me props. (laughs) Just so you know, I dabbled in a little bit of Mary Had a Little Lamb, okay, (laughs) and rocked it for the third grade recital. So just FYI. (laughs) All right. So um, Phoenix was also very athletic and she was a junior regional fencing champion. Oh, which is really interesting. I think that's I mean That is cool. To be honest, um people who compete in foil and her friends actually said that it was a very dorky group that did this. Like they were people who played Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. But I think this it takes skill. It takes dedication. It definitely takes athletic ability. And it takes a lot of mental acuity to be able to fence with another because you have to see what they're doing. And what they're doing. Language. It's kind of like it's kind of like chess. You have to predict the other person's next, next move, move. Yeah. before and they like do their, it. And their reaction to whatever move you're going to have so that you can counter. It's crazy. But wow. I guess she was really good at it. What does it mean to compete in foil? She so fencing it, the different um, I'm going to call them swords, even though that's uh-huh. the wrong words. Yeah. The different weighted ones are all called something different. The lightest oh, one okay. is called a foil. It's foil. OK. So makes sense. so it's a weight. Competed, yeah. Um, not a weight. It's also the type. OK. But uh, Phoenix competed in foil. OK. Nice. So. Also, her whole family was very religious. I say whole family, but really she was an only child. Okay. And it's worth mentioning that the Coldens are black. Okay. And this is important. It's actually a very important factor to the story. Okay. Also, so, I mean, all of this stuff that uh, Phoenix is impressive. Yeah, she sounds impressive. Right. Like, she sounds like somebody who would be really interesting to have as a friend. Yeah. 
And everyone who spoke about Phoenix, her friends, her pastor, people, everyone who knew her said that she was very nice, very smart, polite, well-spoken, tons of good things to say about this girl. Okay. So a county police officer came to the house in response to this 911 call. And they start going through the regular information that when you call and you say, hey, my my daughter's missing. Yeah. They start with the simple stuff. They're like, okay, what's her birthday? Yeah. Well, Goldia gives them her birthday and the officer says, ma'am, she's 23 and she's grown. Oh, they're not going to do anything. Yep. They're like, she doesn't have to tell you where she's going or where she's been. That must be so frustrating as a parent, especially when you know that this is not like your kid not to come home. Right. And I I have to give props to Goldia because she was not taking his shit. Good. She, I love this. So this was on the documentary and I really hope this is the exact word she used because (laughs) she, she said, quote, I don't know what wolves raised you, but that's not how we do things here. She's not home when she's supposed to be. I haven't heard from her. She's missing. I expect you to make a missing persons report, unquote. Go Goldia. Right. That is right. Yeah. I wouldn't even leave that police department or have the officer leave until the report was made. Right. So they must have complied because the Good. Police, the officer went back out to his car and he ran her plates to just to see if the car had been found or anything like issued a uh-huh. ticket. Yeah. Didn't get a hit. Of course. So basically immediately Goldie and Lawrence go out. They're posting flyers. They're calling hospitals. They're calling her like Phoenix's friends, their church friends, basically everyone they could think of saying, have you seen Phoenix like combing the streets? Mm-hmm. But two weeks go by and nothing happens. Oh, torture for the parents, probably. Right. Because Uh, this whole time, they're thinking this whole situation feels wrong. Yes. Oh, gosh. So on January 2nd, 2012, a family friend found Phoenix's car. Oh, wow. It was in an impound lot in East St. Louis. Oh. So they actually found out that her vehicle had been in this impound lot since approximately 6.30 p.m. on December 18th. And when did she go missing? On December 18th, right? She left the house at 3 p.m. on December 18th. Oh, my gosh. So three and a half hours later, the car was at a tow yard? Yep. Yep. And the police never informed the family. Because remember, it was a family friend that found this car. So the police, did the police not know? So I the my first reaction here was remember the police officer came on yeah, the he 19th ran the, and he, he ran the plate and so I was like did he just lie like did he lie and say he didn't get a hit that was why it. would he why would he lie about it um I don't know why he oh well would why lie. does anyone lie about things right right <laughs> well he, I mean he was also saying that she's 23 and she can do what she wants so who knows oh but there's something about St. Louis that I always forget and i feel like Uh other people always forget and that is the fact that st louis straddles missouri and illinois okay phoenix went missing from missouri and her vehicle was impounded in illinois 
Oh, so it went across state lines. It did. So it probably never show, showed up on state police yep. or on the jurisdiction it is of a whatever. whole different jurisdiction. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so, but I totally mean, that didn't is, even put that together. Yeah, that's a full two weeks that they've missed, though. Ugh, and then imagine your daughter is missing, and you're, it's the holiday season. I mean, because she was gone Christmas, Christmas Eve. Oh yeah, like. I mean, how, what agony. Also, I didn't include this in my notes, but I'll say it right now because it didn't fit anywhere. Uh Uh-huh. Goldia has never taken down that Christmas tree. I want to cry. She went missing in 2011. That tree is still up to this day. She said she won't take that tree down until Phoenix opens her gifts. This is going to be a dumb question, but. I have to do it because it's me. I assume it's an artificial tree, correct? <laughs> I, it, it would have to be. <laughs> I just it would no. Be you so could water sad. it and fertilize it. It would it's be a house so, plant. It would be so sad to have this just oh, dead man, like the Charlie tree. Brown tree. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, this woman. I love Goldia, whoever she is. Oh, man. All right. Okay. So they get a little bit of information about how Phoenix's car was found okay. and it's not good. No, oh, no. So her car was found abandoned in the flow of traffic with the keys in the ignition, the engine running and the driver's door wide open. Okay. That's not good. No. At all. Also her shoes, purse, ID and glasses were in the car. So her ID is in the car and still no police officer had gone. Right. So when abandoned running in so the middle you're of the tell, road. So you're telling me the person, the ID are in the car and you're not going to follow up on this? Right. Okay. This comes back big later. I'm angry. All right. So Goldie and Lawrence are desperate at this point because they've lost two weeks. They have no idea where their daughter is. So they start calling all the news media. They call every local news station, begging them to cover this story. None of them cared. And this is where the fact that they're black comes in because Phoenix was a black woman. The news doesn't care about black women. I mean, they, you know what? Sadly, that's true. Yeah, and I mean, that's today. In 2011, they cared even less. If Phoenix, unfortunately, was a Caucasian female, this would have been all over the news. That is absolutely what everyone says. They said yes. if she looked like Maura Murray, then she would have been. Yes, and we both know how we feel about Maura Murray. So. Yes. Go on. So a local news reporter named Chandrea Thomas actually caught wind of this story. Uh Uh-huh. And she personally hounded her news producers until they agreed to cover the story. Good for her. Yep. Chandrea was also a young black woman. And she understood that if she did not push for this story, no one else was going to care. So she made it her mission to make sure people heard it. Good for her. I love Chandrea. Yeah. So in 2018, Oxygen Network released a two-part documentary. This is the one that I found that kind of sucked Uh me into this. Yeah. And it covered the disappearance of Phoenix Colden. 
most of my information comes from that documentary. Okay. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But also, there wasn't a ton of information before this documentary came out. Oh. Like, um, the documentary was run by Shondrea, actually. How'd she, how'd she get it on there, I wonder? Good for her. I'm just wondering, like, how did was she able to pull it off that then she was able to get a two-part documentary? Because she, honestly, they never went over this. Uh-huh. But I think it's because she got a white retired deputy police chief from St. Louis to help her with it. Nice. Well, good for her. Yep. His name was Joe Delia. So Joe and Chandrea actually go back to reinvestigate the disappearance. Okay. And this was in 2018. This is seven years after she went missing. Wow. And there's Goldia with the the Christmas tree still up. Oh, man. Yeah, they actually have a couple shots of it. It's really sad. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. So what's really interesting is Chandrea, honestly, she's on board with this because she's been familiar with this case basically since almost day one. And Joe Delia is impressive. So he actually was involved with one of the largest, actually at the time that this was happening, it was the largest sex trafficking ring bust in U.S. history he ran the task force for it. Awesome. Good for him. And St. Louis, unfortunately, is actually on the top 10 list of the most prolific sex trafficking areas in the country. That is good to know. I shall not be taking myself or my children to St. Louis anytime soon. Yeah. So having Chandrea and Joe on this is so valuable to the family. So the very first thought that was brought up for Phoenix's disappearance is the fact that her car was found in East St. Louis. St. Louis in general, like I said, it's not the best city, but East St. Louis in particular is a very, very, very bad part of town. Um, and her How car, long did it take her to get over there out of curiosity? Does 25 that ever minutes come from up? her house. Okay. Okay. It's only wow. 25 minutes from her house, from okay. her house to where her car was found. Okay. And where her car was found was actually just off Interstate 70. And I didn't look anywhere else to verify this, but Joe and Chandrena both referred to this as the sex trafficking superhighway of America. Wow. I had no idea. Apparently, I-70 is prolific, probably because it runs straight through St. Louis and it's an interstate. And but, are they just taking people off the highway or is this I like, or is this where they're trafficking? I'm going to sound so dumb. Is this where they're like trafficking them? Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like it's when they're moving them, they have to use big roads that get them places quick because yeah. you have to be able to, it's like any, it's going to sound so cold to put this this way. But it's like any retail operation. You move your product fast so that you can get your sales quick. Yeah. That's essentially you want to use interstates for that. Yeah. Hmm. So everybody in Phoenix's life was extremely confused why her car was in East St. Louis. I bet. Because the way we described her, I mean, she's a good girl. She's smart. She's high achieving. She has zero reason to be there. Yeah. 
So Shandrea and Joe go and speak with her pastor. And remember, this is seven years later. But he said that he didn't really see anything weird about that day. It was just a normal day. Like it was a normal church day. He did say that in his perception, he said Phoenix was sheltered and naive in the ways of the world. Cause well, she was homeschooled. I was just going to say that. Yeah. That, I mean, most kids who are homeschooled, I'm, I'm sure that could be said about them, depending on what kind of home life they had. Right. And, you know, he really didn't elaborate, but it was kind of like unspoken. Everyone knows homeschooled yeah. kids are pretty sheltered. Yeah, definitely. He did mention that in his opinion, he thought Phoenix was too, like, quote, good to fall prey to sex trafficking. I am going to completely disagree with that because you can be any type of person and be caught in sex trafficking. Like, oh, it's yeah. not a particular. So I'm just going to disregard exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Bad pastor, shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> One thing that was really interesting to me is that. A lot of the, I'm going to say adults, I mean, she was 23 years old, so she was an adult, but a lot of the older adults, like her parents, her pastor, some mothers that come up later, they all refer to her as a child. Huh. And that kind of- Maybe that's an, maybe that's an endearing thing. I'm not sure. Like, okay. But also the fact that the pastor said she was naive and called her a child, it makes me wonder what about her. And she's 23 years old. She went off to college. She came back. You, did she look younger for 23? I she, mean, she did. She looked pretty young. Okay. But still, like, you would think you wouldn't refer to someone as a child like this, but I, yeah, that I, I don't think I would, ha- I would have taken offense to that. Um, I, I see it more as a term of in, uh, you know, just it an endearing. You'll have to tell me what you think when you actually watch the documentary, because it didn't seem like a term of endearment to me. Okay. Okay. I'll watch. Yeah. I'll have to take a look. Um, this part is really sad, but for months, Lawrence went and searched vacant lots in East St. Louis looking for his daughter's body. Oh, Lawrence. Really awful. Yeah. Also, apparent, uh, reportedly Goldia and Lawrence went to strip clubs and talked to local sex workers because they just wanted to know if anyone had seen their baby. I would too. I would be talking to anybody and everybody. Right. And they, of course, they hired a private investigator to hunt down every lead for them. Oh. This costs a lot of money. I bet. And in 2012, they got something that was so promising. Okay. A man, A man in Texas reached out to them and he gave them this very detailed story claiming that he had seen Phoenix in Houston And he knew of a local sex trafficking ring that was holding her. Oh, wow. The PI flew down there to investigate it. And it turned out this man was just straight up lying. You know what? I hate when trash people like that take, like, what what is, what thrill do you get out of giving, grieving, and, and parents that are just trying to find answers 
you know, fake hope like that. Right. Like, fuck this dude. Honestly. And the parents. So the parents were so upset by this. They asked if there was anything they could do legally. Like, was there anything that he could be charged with? Apparently, there's nothing wrong with what he did or there's not enough wrong with what he did. Well, there should be something. Yeah, that's just like, uh, I don't know if it was the Johnny, I think it was the Johnny Gosh case and the mom, you know, had the telephone with the tip line. Yeah. And she, she kept that, that line plugged in, I think for like years and even whenever it rang, she would answer it and she would get these just bizarre, you know, tips. And I think there wasn't there one person that even sent her a picture and they yes. thought it could be Johnny. Right. But I think they had good intentions. Yeah, I think those did. But there's a lot of people. I, I just don't see. They just what, want the attention. And I don't what understand. What thrill do you get out of that? Yeah. Right. I, like, cool, you're getting attention, but it's bad yeah. attention. Everyone knows that you're a fucked up asshole now. There should be a fine, like, for false evidence or because that should be like that's, deterring a, a investigation exactly too. exactly what Goldia said. She yeah. said that he misled the investigation. But apparently, I think because it was a PI that went down there and not uh-huh. like actual law enforcement. Oh, police there. Yeah, there wasn't. I think, it's not. Yeah, that's why they couldn't do anything, which yeah. sucks. It does suck. That guy sucks. Yeah. So unfortunately, and this really sucks. But spending the money to send their PI down there was the straw that broke the camel's back and their house got foreclosed on. No. Why isn't there like a neighbor doing a GoFundMe for them? Well, remember, they're in a middle... Was it popular back then? They're in a middle class neighborhood. I don't think GoFundMe was popular in 2011. Oh, poor things. But also, it's not like they had very many resources. They're not living in a really well-off area. That's true. That's true. So they actually tried to appeal this to their mortgage, like their lenders. But they said that there was nothing they could do and they couldn't make their mortgage payments. So they lost their house. Oh, poor things. And then could you imagine your daughter has gone missing and now you're losing the house. And that was, you know, like I'm sure every parent who their child goes missing, I'm sure it is hard to leave wherever the last place that you know right because they're lived. like well how will they know they where to find home? me exactly oh this is this is sad yeah so basically after that um there were a couple other hoaxes which is awful i'm not going to yeah. mention them because none of them deserve mentioning don't but honestly that was that was all that oh. really happened until this documentary came out in 2018 okay and they got a lot of really interesting information that I don't think existed before then. After the documentary was aired? Yeah. Oh, nice. So um, first, they found out that... So Phoenix moved back into her parents' house in May of 2011. And she was still supposedly attending school. Uh Uh-huh. She dropped out fall quarter. Oh, no. And she didn't tell her parents about it. She didn't tell anyone. Everyone thought she was still going to school. Well, so where was she going when she was going to school? Or when people 
thought, okay, Phoenix. She was going somewhere. Oh, man. Well, obviously. So, honestly, first of all, this is like, Phoenix, what else are you hiding? Exactly. And that's a full quarter. Yeah. That's that's, you're committing to like, oh, this is a routine, a schedule. I'm going to school. Bye. And that's not where Mm -hmm. you're going. Okay. So Chandrea and Joe went and met with this local mother's group and they're called Mothers of Missing Children. Basically, this is a group of women of color who all have missing children Oh, and they support each other because the news media doesn't support them. It's really sad. Oh, my gosh. That was just like the child killer of Atlanta. Those mothers with all of those children. Yeah. That went missing. um, And it wasn't getting the news coverage. Yeah. Because. Yeah. On the media just doesn't care. But again, imagine if all those children were white. Yep. That would have been like a massive manhunt right so they actually went to one of the meetings and one of the women in this support group told them hey i a few years back someone sent me a screenshot of a photo of phoenix on an escort site oh wow so shandrea was immediately like give me this information yeah so it's really sad they determined unfortunately that this ad was a hoax was the lady lying about it or just the ad no so they didn't say this in the documentary this is my theory yeah i think somebody because the way they determined it was a hoax first was that the photo they used was a a common photo that was used to advertise, hey, my daughter's missing. And her missing posters, yeah. And Joe, remember, he has a lot of experience with sex workers and sex trafficking. And his first thought was, that is not a photo that you would use to advertise someone for an escort service. Yeah. Because it was just this cute picture of her. It was like a candid shot of her, like, it looks like in her kitchen, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was like, that is not like the sexy pose that they would use on one of these sites. Yeah. So what what I think happened is that someone orchestrated this hoax. They created it. It was um, a site too. like there was a link that went to like this quote, like fake site that had an advertisement for Phoenix. I think they created this. They screenshotted it. They left it up just long enough to send it to this woman because this didn't go to Goldia. This went to a woman in a support group. In a support. Yeah, I was going to say, how come it didn't go directly to her? Right. And that's why I think that this person did it on purpose. They used someone who they knew would take it straight to Goldia. They didn't want to waste time with, well, now I got to sit here and leave this site up. Maybe they'll track it to my IP address. They I wonder if it, it was the same asshat who made that. that no, no. There were plane. so many people who were. That is so sad. That makes me so angry. Yeah. There were just so many people that I don't think it was the same person at all. Okay. It's all a bunch of unconnected assholes all doing shitty things. Gosh, there's some horrible people in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, this sounded like a great lead because mm-hmm. they're thinking sex trafficking with her disappearance. That is the predominant theory here. Yeah. But it it comes up with nothing. 
So next, Gosh. Chandraya and Joe go and speak with the police officer who found Phoenix's car. Okay. Which is huge because in the years following, like immediately following Phoenix's disappearance, this cop was not allowed to talk to anyone. Like oh. his union representative and his bosses and the legal team for the police department all told him, do not speak to anyone. So why? The um, it was this bit of information was in um, in articles I found. But uh-huh. honestly, that sounds normal to me. Really? It's an active investigation. Why would you talk to the media? Oh, I get. Yeah, I guess. So I don't know why he was allowed to talk to them now, especially for a filmed documentary. But he was allowed to talk to them now. And he gave them like this absolutely insane information. Okay. So his name was Officer Perry. Officer Perry received the call about the abandoned vehicle at 527 p.m. And he arrived at the vehicle at 535 p.m. So this is two hours after she has left the house. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. He said his first thought was that the car had run out of gas. But it was the they said the car was running. Actually, it wasn't. Didn't, isn't that what you said? They said when they found it, the car was running. That's the information that the family had for the first seven years. And now suddenly it wasn't running. Right. Okay. It wasn't running. The doors were closed. There were no keys inside. There was no purse. There was no what? ID. Yeah. What is going on? Right? Do you see how this turned into such a long episode? Yes. I so, forgive you now. So his his whole thoughts was like, he thought, because remember, he's in Illinois, and he saw yeah. it had Missouri plates. And he thought that this car, it was stopped at a stop sign. And he, so it stopped at a stop sign, not like on the side of the road, you know, like by the curb. No, it's it at was a stop in the road sign at the stop sign. And that's why he said when he saw it, he thought that it, had it run ran out, of, out gas. of gas. That makes sense. Yeah. And because there was no purse, no ID, no keys, he thought in the Missouri plates, he said, you know, somebody from out of town ran out of gas and they know this isn't a safe area. So they got out of the car and they left. And it's not like you can just, you know how sometimes abandoned cars on the side of the road, you just assume they run out of gas. But when it's in front of a stop sign, it's I doubt you can leave it there, obviously. Right. So he called for an impound. Yeah. And he said, like, everything about this vehicle, nothing looked suspicious about it. It literally just looked like it had stopped there. And so, ran out of gas and they left. Okay. Yep. So he ran the plates. It didn't come up as stolen. Okay. So he actually, they asked him, they're like, what's the protocol if you find out a car is stolen? He's like, well, for a stolen vehicle, if we run the plates and they come up as stolen, we put it in a, a like in this national database that tells everybody, hey, we found this vehicle. And then it'll ping the originating office to be like, hey, look, you're a hit just came back on this vehicle. Yeah. This vehicle looked abandoned, so it didn't go in a national database, and that's why the Missouri police never heard anything about it. Oh, man. I Can I ask, I want to know what the protocol is when you find an abandoned vehicle and, and in a suspicious 
like stopping point like that, like, you know, in front of a stop sign and then you have it impounded. Is it the police? Are they supposed to run the plates and find who it's registered to and let them know? Or is it the tow people or you just don't know? So I think it varies state by state. And it also so when it's in a right of way like that, the, that was a really big thing that the parents wondered. They're like the registration to the car was in the glove box. But this car, there was nothing weird about it. Like it didn't look like it was in an accident. Like, you know, like it was rear ended or anything like that. It yeah. didn't look like a robbery. It looked like a car that had stopped and someone locked it and walked away. Yeah, that's crazy. So his protocol there is impound it. Yeah. So that's what they did. They did. And Joe and Shandrea were shocked. They're like, this is not the information we had. Before. No, that's what I'm saying. The car was running and the door was open and her keys and purse were in there. Yep. So they go back to Goldia and Lawrence. And they, they're like, where did you hear this? Yeah. And both of them are weirdly silent. What? Yeah. They're like, uh, we don't remember. Maybe we read it somewhere. This is where the parents start getting weird to me. And I'm, I'm sorry to say oh it. I know gosh. their child is missing, but there's something weird about her parents. Okay. And I'll, I'll go over it more at the very end. I'll kind of give my thoughts on this. But this is All the right. first thing that made me look at her mother and be like, go, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's strange because in the documentary, Goldia very clearly says it wasn't from us. Like, but, like I didn't make it up. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. That's weird. So something that actually came up a few times in the course of my research was that Goldia told news media several times about this girl who had been snatched out of her vehicle a few years before Phoenix went missing. And okay. Goldia told them this, this girl had been stopped at a stoplight, snatched out of her car. Her car was left running with the doors open. And this woman was dragged to a house where the men beat and drugged her and okay. raped her. And oh, no. the girl escaped and went to the cops. And that's how her story got out. Well, maybe this was a case of, I mean, so much of the first couple of weeks or year of your child going missing, I am totally just assuming, but your brain is probably mush with all information and then you're just like running on, you know, this mission just to find your child. And so maybe Goldia and Lawrence with all the information coming in, all the information they're thinking, um, everything the police is telling them, everything the PI is telling them, maybe it was like a, a story that she unknowingly made up in her head, uh, pieced together from all this information. That's actually what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking Goldia knew about this story from a couple years ago. Yeah. And, and then somehow kind of, got it crossed in her head. That yeah. The police told her, hey, your daughter's car was found on the road. And she went, oh, it must have been like that girl. And the door was open and the car yeah, was running. That's what I'm thinking. But also, I tried to find this story and I couldn't uh -huh. find it. 
Oh. So that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. No. So uh -uh. if anybody is familiar with a story of a girl going missing in this way, that was not Phoenix. That happened prior to 2011. I would love to hear it. But like, I I don't know if the story is even real. Huh. There were, there's a lot of stories of girls being snatched or going missing, but, but none of them like with this specific detail about the car door being left open and the yeah. engine running. That is a very strange detail that I couldn't find anywhere else. Okay. Okay. So given this information, Chandrea and Joe were like, do you have the items from your daughter's car? We need to see them because honestly, who would who they knows? get them back from? What? Who would they get those things back from? Well, they were in the car. So did the police collect them and then give it to them? Or did the tow people collect it and give it to them? Once the they realized. People, the tow people wouldn't collect anything. And actually, oh. really interesting. The tow yard wanted to charge them $1,000 to get this car back. Why? Because it was impounded. Why didn't the police just take it? Because there's an investigation. So, well, I get the feeling the police didn't take this very seriously in the beginning. They didn't care. Yeah. Right. But Goldia and Lawrence actually had to go and appeal directly to the mayor for the mayor to get this um, tow yard to waive this $1,000 charge for them to get their daughter's vehicle back. Oh, my goodness. Okay, wait, but there was nothing in there in her car. No, there was stuff in her car. Yeah. Oh, the, the only thing that changed from the prior story was that the door was closed and the car wasn't running. There was things in her car. I didn't say what was in her car yet. Okay, go, go, go. <laughs> Chandra and Joe asked to see everything. And of course, Goldia, uh -huh. Goldia keeps everything from this investigation. I can't well, imagine. I mean, she like, still had the tree up. Yes, she keeps everything. <laughs> but also, this is your daughter who's missing. Like, yeah. I'd keep everything too. Yeah. So they kind of spread everything out for them. And it's a lot of really normal stuff. There was a pair of socks, CDs, uh, pens, lotion. There was a pair of black flats in the car. Uh -huh. And there was also a collections notice. And this collections notice caught Joe's attention. And Joe kind of picked it up and he looked at it and it was for a T-Mobile bill that got sent to collections. Okay. And he kind of looked at them and it was a kind of common knowledge at this point that they had a family plan that the parents paid for. Okay. So he looks at her and he was like, you paid for Phoenix's cell phone, right? Like it's never defaulted yeah. or anything. They're like, no, they're like, well then what is this collections notice for? They didn't notice that. That's something to me that would be odd that you don't notice. It in... was weird because when yeah. Joe picked it up, like Joe pointed at it. It was in the envelope. And he was like, what's that? Goldie was like, I don't know. It's it's some bill or something. Huh. It was weird. I'm telling you, uh, there's something weird. I don't I don't want Goldie to let me down here. Oh, man. Um, apparently Phoenix had a secret second cell phone that she paid for on her own. Well, yeah, I can't believe it took him this long to figure that out. Yeah. So um, her a friend of hers actually said that he knew about the cell phone. And when they were like, why uh, didn't you tell us? Well, not a why didn't you tell us? It was like, why did she have a second cell phone? What reason does she have? 
And well, yeah, that would be my first question. But wouldn't your second question be, why didn't you, when she went missing, let us know about the second cell phone? Um, well, apparently the police already knew about it. Oh, ugh. I don't like anyone right now. Yeah, you kind of hate everybody. Yes. Tim explained. So the whole reason that she had this cell phone was that in 2011, and I completely forgot this because I used to have T-Mobile too, and I don't know if it was only T-Mobile that did this or all cell phone companies, but they used to itemize all the phone numbers you called on your yeah. bill and uh-huh. how long. So yeah, obviously she has a phone number she wants to hide. Exactly. And oh, Tim, yeah. Tim said it was for a guy named Michael. Oh, man. And everyone is like, who the fuck is Michael? (laughs) (laughs) And Tim, this friend, is like, oh, uh, that was her boyfriend that she was living with. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Tim. First of all, why? (laughs) Okay, first, I commend Tim for being a great friend. But people, if someone goes missing, that is almost like a free pass to let people know some of their secrets that might help the investigation. Keep Holy in mind, moly. Keep in mind, the police probably know about this. But just because the police know doesn't mean the family knows. Oh, my gosh. The police. You know what? Maybe it's because I don't even I, I'm not even you just keep going. Oh, man, I'm mad. So Tim kind of explained, and this is the first glimpse we kind of get into it. Tim explained that Goldia and Lawrence were very, very strict Christians. Okay. So strict that they did not even allow dating. She was 23 and she wasn't allowed to date? She was not supposed to date. That's crazy. I mean, not if that's your choice, but whatever. So now... The question is, and and you might be asking, how long were they together? Yeah. <laughs> they were together for five years. What the what? Are you kidding? Five years. I cannot imagine hiding a relationship from my parents when I was. Five years. 18. Yeah. Since she was 18. Yeah. Well, you know that. Oh, wow. So remember that apartment she moved into that her parents are paying for? Oh, my gosh. It's Michael's. No, it was hers. And Michael moved in. And so did when they stopped paying for it and she moved out. I don't know what happened to Michael. (laughs) Poor Michael. Michael's like, boom, the jig is up. (laughs) I mean, he might have just continued paying for it himself. But listen to this because this I was like. Either the mom is completely clueless or she was in denial because Goldia said she went to that apartment and she did not know a man lived there. Well, you can easily make something look like nobody lived there if you like hide stuff. Well, she said that she went through closets and stuff. Oh, my God. You know, I guess she never went through drawers. But like she said, yeah, I peeked in closets because I wanted to know that my daughter was staying pure. Um, Well, can I say something? I think like if I was left alone in my child's apartment, like for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, there'd be a part of me that really wanted to start just looking around. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just looking. That's what, that's what she did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame her. You go, Goldia. Apparently, she didn't do a good job. Well, yeah. She's not a very good detective. 
Okay. Okay. But also, this is. I'm telling you, every time we learn something new, Goldia knew about Michael. How? When? She, she thought that they were just friends. She's like, well, yeah, I knew that Phoenix would be like on the phone with him, but. Oh, so she knew of Michael. She didn't know they were dating. Right. Okay. Okay. Because, that makes more sense. Because they actually grabbed the phone records because Goldia holds on to everything. She has the family plan phone records from that time. Oh, so she probably noticed. Oh, Phoenix talks to Michael a lot. That's her friend. So what is the second cell phone for? Oh, that's right. Because nothing makes sense here. Right. What is happening? So let's, let's set the second cell phone aside for a second because we're looking at phone logs right now. Okay. According to the family plan, Phoenix and Michael were having like more and more phone calls in the days leading up to her disappearance. And they were on the family plan. Well, that's, that's not the important thing. The, The important thing is that like the frequency of their phone calls was like steeply increasing. Okay. So there's two, there's three important things about these phone calls. The first thing is that on December 17th, the day before Phoenix went missing, she and Michael were on the phone for 116 minutes. Oh, wow. The second thing is that on December 18th, Phoenix had a one minute phone call with him at 1.46 p.m. Uh, this was after they found the car. No, right? 1.46 is before she left the house. Oh, and then the oh, one forty. Okay, one. She left the house at three. Yes. three o'clock. Okay. Yes. So now the right. third, the third weird thing, and ob- honestly, like the most impactful thing. After Phoenix left the house that day, she did not receive a single incoming phone call ever again. On the ver- on the family line phone. Yeah. Not even from her parents. Well. I, they knew that she was missing. Well, yeah, Crystal, wouldn't you call your daughter? Phone records don't you think show. That's, don't you think that's odd? Phone records show that that is the last call. And I'm, I know it's odd, but that is the last phone call that Phoenix had. Okay, that is very odd to me that the parents did not call her phone. But also, I think... Crystal. No, no, I'm thinking the phone plans only show calls where oh, going like, where out minutes where minutes are recorded it wouldn't show like this person called you didn't answer oh maybe you're right i don't know we'll have to look into that i don't know but the they kind of go over it a little bit later too um okay we'll look okay. back around okay go on so we we kind of touched on this already with um, we're calling him Mike B because Michael his last name starts with a B. Okay. Um, police spoke with him about these phone calls because they were like, "Hey, what did you talk about for two hours on the seventeenth? That seems like a pretty important thing." Yeah. And, and he was like, "You know, gosh, I just don't remember." It was a two-hour <laughs> phone conversation. I just I don't remember. Ugh. I love these guys with they don't remember, please. Yeah. 
So Chandra and Joe actually hunt down Mike B and they go to his apartment, (laughs) but he won't answer the door. They know he's there because they had a security team follow him home. Um, yeah. And then you could see him like peeking out the window, but he, <laughs> he wouldn't come to the door. So they never actually like, got a nope. chance to speak with him. <laughs> so they go to the police department and they speak with the actual investigators working on this case. And they get some more kind of interesting information. Okay. The crime scene unit actually processed her vehicle. They okay. did their job. They found no cell phone in the car. No evidence of like, no evidence of robbery or theft. No evidence of foul play in the car. Oh. Like I said, the police knew that she had two phones. So just because her parents didn't know does not mean the police don't know. And they were very clear that they're holding back a lot of information about this case. Like there was. The police are? Yeah. There was several times during the interview where they were like, yeah, we can't give you that. We can't talk about that. So weird. And police have in-depth phone records for both phones. And they, they actually said they have the GPS information about like the cell phone pings from her cell phones, but they're not releasing that information. Even after all of that time, they still won't. Yeah. And I hate that. Like, this reminds me of the Delphi case where there's yeah. so much cell phone information and they won't uh-huh. share it. It makes yeah. me wonder why. Yeah, that is just so I I know I know the why in certain cases police do hold back information, but in a case like this where it seemingly has gone cold and it's been so long, I don't know why those things can't be released. Well, the the cops said something very specific that made every, like, honestly, Phoenix went missing and there's two possibilities. She went missing willingly or she uh-huh. went missing unwillingly. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of sub reasons between, but basically it's one of those two things. Yeah. Basically, the police said that if they were to find Phoenix... And Phoenix said that she did not want to be found. The police could tell the parents, hey, she's alive and safe, but we can't tell you where she is. Oh, oh and God. that that almost makes me think there's something about the GPS information that makes them think she ran away willingly. That so maybe they know she ran away willingly, but they still don't know where she is to confirm. Basically, they did say that in order for them to inform the family that she's alive and well, they actually they would have, have to, to make contact, visual contact, as in like in the same room. Okay. okay, so so they can't do that. They can't officially say that. Right. Yeah. Okay. But they did also say that they spoke with Michael. Uh huh. And they said. With 100% confidence, Michael had nothing to do with her disappearance. Okay, so I feel like they they do know something. There's got to be something they know because Michael wouldn't talk to this investigator. Yeah, Like, Chandrea and Joe. But honestly, like, I can see it's been eight years. He just wants to move on with his life. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So the next person they talk to is Phoenix's best friend, Akira. And 
she gave them some more information. And it's a lot. Why do I want to say when you say Akira? (laughs) Shakira, Shakira. Yeah, Shakira. Okay, please stop me. Move on. Okay, go. So Shakira, Shakira, oh my God. (laughs) Akira and Phoenix had been best friends since, it's a little unclear. She said since she was 15 years old. I don't know if that meant Akira was 15 or Phoenix was 15. Okay, but, probably met through church, I'm assuming, since... Uh, no, they Phoenix. were actually neighbors. Oh, okay, nice. And actually, Goldia did not like Akira. Oh. Um, Akira was very clear that Goldia was extremely strict. And we, we kind of got an insight that, you know, she's a good, uh, strict Christian mother. But... Phoenix was not allowed to leave her front porch as in like literally the front porch. So Akira had to go over to Phoenix's house and they would sit on the front porch together if they wanted to talk. Well, you know what? How nice of Akira to still go over there and talk to her. Right. Because Akira went to public school. Yeah. And Phoenix was homeschooled. Yeah. So they literally only met because they were neighbors. Well, no wonder Phoenix was so sheltered. I mean, she couldn't even leave her front porch. Yeah. And Goldia, like I said, she didn't like Akira. She thought Akira was a bad influence. Okay. And really sad. I guess Phoenix would tell Akira she hated being homeschooled. She Mm. just wanted like a real life experience. Like prom was one of the things that she wanted to do. Oh, yeah. And she couldn't do it. Hmm. Akira said, and this is a little bit, I mean, a lot of things about this are concerning, but apparently right before Phoenix went missing, as in like for a month or so before she went missing, she was like convinced that something was following her or something was going to come get her. Phoenix was? Yeah. Like she would tell Akira all the time, like something's coming for me, something's coming for me. And Akira would be like, what's coming from you? What do you mean? And she would just be like, it's coming for me. So again, I hope this is information that Akira gave police. I'm sure she did. Like, uh-huh. okay. But just making sure. But with how close to the vest the police are playing it, this is the first time this information is public. Yeah. But she also said that Akira, not Akira, she said Phoenix would make comments saying that I'm, I'm leaving. I'm just going to get up and go. I'm just going to go. And oh, Akira, so she would talk. Yeah. Akira would be like, what do you mean? Go where? And she would just say, I'm just going to go. Hmm. And what really sucks. And I think it probably haunts Akira to this day. About a week before Phoenix went missing, they got in a big fight. Oh, no. And it was... Akira sounds like she doesn't even understand really what happened. It was like this misunderstanding. Phoenix was yelling at her about something. And she was like, what? Can we just talk about this? And I don't know if this is because of the paranoia before she left or because Uh this is because she was in St. Louis. But Phoenix would actually have a big knife in her car with her. And like, she, what, like what kind of knife? They called it a dagger. Oh. 
like and it was a big knife Jeez. Um, and she kept it in like the door pocket of her driver's side door uh-huh apparently this argument with akira got so heated that phoenix pulled this knife on akira oh my goodness right so i mean this was uh, in phoenix's mind whatever she was angry about was a big deal okay and this argument was the last time that akira spoke to phoenix oh, that's sad it is really sad could you imagine just having a fight with your best friend and then that they go missing? Mm-hmm. That would be the worst. Yeah. And then the last thing that Akira mentioned was that since Phoenix moved back home to her parents' house, she was constantly having fights with her parents, constantly oh. arguing with them. And the weird thing about this is that Goldia never mentioned this. Oh, to the police that... Oh. Not, you gotta... I think you gotta let go of the police not having this information. <laughs> I think you're really stuck on but that. The, but the police are supposed to know things and tell you things. But you know what? I guess what I'm not also remembering and realizing is this was a 23-year-old adult. Yes, yes. And I think I'm looking at it in a different lens of this is their kid. And, you know, no matter how old your kid gets, it's still your baby, right? So right. maybe that's why I have my parent lens on. And, and I'm that like, you're like, well, why don't the police Yeah, know? exactly, like, exactly. And I need to know all be of more. This. Yeah. The public okay. never knew this. Okay. And importantly, okay. Joe and Chandrea did not know this. Okay. And if they're trying to reinvestigate this disappearance, they need to know everything. This is important. Yeah. It is. Just because the police wouldn't give them that much information. Yeah. They can only go on what people are telling them. And what they have already. Okay. Oh, I forgot. Um, that wasn't the last thing that Akira told them. Oh, no. Akira told them one more thing. Okay. Um, she know who knows who the second cell phone was for. Oh, interesting. Spill. There was another guy named Michael. Two that, Michaels. And that is why the first guy is referred to as Mike B. I knew there was another one. And she was dating both of them at the same time. <gasps> Phoenix was? Yes. Ooh. She had started seeing this guy and they don't know his last name or they can't disclose it. He's just referred to as cell phone Mike. And they had started seeing each other in 2010. Well, you know what? How convenient that they were both named Michael. I may, I bet that made things easier for Phoenix. Probably. And that actually made me wonder which Michael was the police department talking about. Oh. Because they said that Michael was not involved. But they didn't say Mike B or cell phone Mike. So which they Michael. They specify. Which Michael are they talking about? Hmm. Now this is another really big clue because they're like, well, who's this Mike guy? Yeah. So Joe Delia actually has this really good PI that he knows. And this guy's name is Dean. He's actually okay. an ex-federal agent and he has a ton of police experience. So basically, if you need information on someone, you call Dean. Okay. And his name is Dean Duke, which I, I love. That's such a Ooh, good name. Ooh, Dean Duke. That is a good name. In case you can't tell, we are all about names. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Why so, is that? I, I think because that's all we have to go on sometimes is names. Like, but if names. I if I was hiring a PI and I saw this guy was named Dean, uh, Duke, Dean Duke, I'd be like hiring him. Hired, yeah. You're you got the job. You can find things. <laughs> so Dean actually hunts down this guy's cell phone, Mike, and okay. they confront him outside his house. Oh, and all he says is, "You can talk to my lawyer." Oh, so okay. they actually contact his lawyer and it sounds like what's going on here is that um, it's not that he has something to hide. It's that the lawyer kind of wants to gauge like, is it OK for you to talk to this person? Oh, like so a lawyer doing his job. Yeah. yeah. So okay. the lawyer was like, yep, you're good to go. You can talk to Mike. OK, so nice. they go back to Mike and he doesn't want to talk to them. <laughs> of course of course <laughs> so dean does some digging and he finds out that cell phone mike actually has a restraining order out against him from an ex-girlfriend so they find the ex-girlfriend and she agrees to talk to them but only if they kept her identity secret so they agreed and she gave them some interesting information they oh my gosh she met mike because they were both interested in music and I guess he approached her and he was like, hey, do you want to start a band? Because she was a singer. She loved to sing. And eventually, after working together on music, eventually they started dating and they were together for a year and a half. And she said over this year and a half, he just got progressively more possessive, more angry. He became emotionally and mentally abusive against her. He started physically abusing her at one point. And she said in December of 2011, she saw him researching missing persons cases, which was weird to what? her. Yeah. Um, and it was especially he was researching the disappearance of this Phoenix girl a lot. And what? she would like look over at his phone and Finally, she was like, why are you so interested in this girl? Like, why are you so interested in her, like, yeah. being disappeared? So Mike was like, oh, she was a customer of mine because he worked in a retail clothing store, too. Yeah. So finally, he admitted, like, okay, fine. Like, she and I hooked up. And so what? this girl is, like, asking questions and, like it's weird for your boyfriend to be researching another girl. Like exactly. Especially a girl that's gone. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. Go on. I don't think it's that weird now that I think about it. Cause I look at missing person cases, but no one that I knew. Right. And no one that you okay. cheated on them with. That, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, Finally, one day she flat out is like, did you have anything to do with this? Because, like, it's weird that you're so into this. Yeah. Apparently, he told her, why are you worried about someone that's dead? <gasps> yeah. Oh, that's not suspicious. no. That, yeah, that, I would be like, excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually, like a little side note here, I was looking around on Reddit and a, this uh -huh. this one user said that she is a very close family friend of the Coldens. Uh -huh. And she said that cell phone Mike 
got a restraining order against Goldia and Lawrence. Oh, no. And I don't know if that was before or after the oxygen special. But, like, that's really interesting to me. That is interesting. So... Why are you worried about somebody who's right. dead? That I would have been like, uh, I'd be like, um, maybe it's time for me to go, and maybe that's exactly. maybe that's the final thing that made her leave. I hope so. Beyond the abuse, but you know, yeah, it's hard to leave situations like that. Yeah, we've learned a lot about Phoenix's home life. Um, sure have, but you know. I think Goldia gives us some of our best quotes about the home life. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a few things that Goldia said. Goldia's going to come through. Here we go. So Goldia said, um, in our house, there are rules. God is first, then family. You're supposed to sit up straight. Women should not cross their legs. Don't be loud or vulgar and carry yourself in a discreet manner. You know, ladylike, because you're a lady. Women should not cross their legs. I thought you're supposed to cross your legs. Uh, you're not supposed to cross your legs with your knees over because apparently that shows up your your leg a little too far. You're supposed to cross your knee your legs at your ankles. Oh, like the queen. Ankles That's cross how the queen knees queen together. Does it? Yes. Oh. Man, Goldia, well, I've been doing it wrong both ways. So, so Goldia <laughs> said, Goldia said, some people might say that's kind of controlling, but my job is to keep her safe. God entrusted her to us. Hmm. So that's, you know, those two yeah. things. I'm like, okay, okay. You're, you're trying to raise her to be, um, I don't, ladylike. I don't want to say ladylike because it's bullshit. Um, uh, huh. I swear, and I'm a lady, but... Well, I think this is what... Here's my take on Goldia. She is very super strict. And she was probably also brought up in a super strict home that was probably very church-based as well. Mm -hmm. And Also, she's a product of her generation. Like, she was older. Like, at the time that Phoenix went missing, I think she was in her late 50s, early 60s. Oh, okay, yeah. So, definitely a product of her generation. I get it. Yes. We'll move on. Okay. She said some things that I didn't like as much, and they're mm. weird. And let's see if you mm. find them weird too. Probably won't. No, I'm she, kidding. <laughs> she said, um, I told Phoenix, bring your friends around your mom and dad and let us give you hints about whether they should be your friend or not. Yeah. Okay. So that one. I don't think that's weird. That one doesn't seem. Isn't. My husband and I were actually talking about this today. Isn't there a phrase. Show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Isn't that a phrase? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just another way of saying it. Bring your friends over. I'll tell you who they are. So, so, so this, if you let me know. Well, that comment like that. didn't seem weird to me. The next one, mm-hmm. when paired with it, is weird. Okay. She said Phoenix was looking for people that looked like her. Same skin color, but she wasn't looking into their hearts. I think that's what got my baby in trouble. Interesting. That's the weird one to me. That she thinks her daughter was just going out and finding any old black person to be friends with. Like, that's the way it comes off to me. Interesting. Okay. 
I don't know why I'm so team Goldia. Like nothing you can tell me about her will like deter me from uh, really enjoying Goldia. But maybe that just means like she was so into like finding somebody that she had a lot in common with skin color included that they weren't all good people. Just like any, I think just like, I don't know why she had to include the skin color comment. That's what I guess that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh And I just get the feeling that no one was good enough for Goldia. Yeah. She didn't like Akira and the way Akira talks about Phoenix Akira was like a sister to her. Like, I don't know. Was Akira black yes. too? Okay. Okay. Like, I don't hmm. understand. Like, I'm not a fan of Goldia. And maybe you'll have yeah. to tell me. Watch this documentary. Okay. I'll send you a uh, Maybe link. if I watch it, yeah, then I'll probably think differently. May I ask another question? Were M- Michael B and cell phone Michael black as well? Yes. Okay. You got to remember okay. St. Louis is like a really densely populated with black. Uh, okay. People. Okay. So. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of a recurring theme with Phoenix's friends. When they talked about Phoenix, all of them said like, aside from like saying that she was nice and a great person, all of them commented on the fact that she was trapped in that home mm-hmm. and that she felt trapped and she was desperate to get out. Mm-hmm. And that was telling. Yeah. And one of her friends from college actually specifically said, you can be smart and desperate and make some bad choices. Yep. 100%. There's a selfie video that the documentary spent a lot of time on and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to put a whole lot of weight in it um, mm-hmm. other than to say that in this video is her venting to herself about how unhappy she is and how she wants to start over. Oh, so I mean, it's sad, but I think they put too much weight on this in the documentary. That, yeah, it it's it's a common thing that people do is like a verbal diary of sorts. Yeah. So I yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that video. Okay. Um, the same college friend that said like, "Hey, you can be desperate and make bad choices," actually told Shondrea and Joe that in 2009, Phoenix ran away for a couple months. Oh. And she said that she didn't contact her parents, and that one day she just kind of showed back up. It was like months she was gone without a word. Oh, did they ask Goldia and Lawrence about this? Because that was never brought up. They did. And Goldia's Mm -hmm. reaction was hostile. Oh. And she was, she got angry. Okay. And she was like, why? She said, that is a bold faced lie. Oh, a little defensive much? That's actually what I thought. Because if someone came to me with that information, I would be, my initial reaction would be confusion. Like if it had not happened, yeah. I'd be like, "Where did what you hear are you that?" About? Like, yeah, I, that never happened. Yeah, no, immediately it was like she was like, "No anger." Yeah, and that's huh. why like I'm I'm not, and that's another one of those things that I'm like I'm not sure how I feel about Goldia. 
I, I need to watch this documentary. Maybe I'll change my mind yeah. about Miss Goldia. And so I understand that television, it wasn't a live interview. And so it was edited uh-huh. and cut in specific ways to make the audience uh-huh. feel a certain way. Uh-huh. And maybe I'm buying into that here. Okay. But something about her reaction just seemed off to me. Hmm. See, that's going to be interesting when I watch it, the feedback, because I'm hearing all this the first time from you. Mm-hmm. So, and you're telling me the story. So, yeah, I wonder if there's a perceived bias they're trying to sell. Yeah. Um, in the documentary. Interesting. Okay. So, at this point, they don't state this in the documentary, but I almost feel like with how defensive Goldia is... I think Chandrea and Joe thought that they weren't going to get any more information out of her at the moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they go and they talk to the PI that Goldia and Lawrence hired. Oh, so the original one that they hired at the beginning. Yep. Okay. And he tells them more information like this. It just keeps piling up. So apparently... Before Phoenix actually moved back in with the family, she stole money from them. Oh, what? She broke into a safe in their house and stole about $2,500 worth of savings bonds. Oh, no. And Phoenix also found something about herself that she did not know. Was she adopted? Phoenix had two birth certificates. Oh my gosh. This is face on the milk carton vibes right now. So Phoenix Colden was actually born. She was born in California as (gasps) Phoenix Reeves. What is happening? Goldia was a single mother and her maiden name is Reeves. Oh, my gosh. So Lawrence isn't her dad. When she married Lawrence, Lawrence adopted her and she got the name Colden. She has a birth certificate with the last name Reeves and a birth certificate with with the last name Colden. Crazy pants deal. Yes. Because this gives her a whole nother name if she wants to like run away. Yes. If she knew about it. Well, she found that birth certificate. Oh, she did know about it. Train left the station late there. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my goodness. So Dean Duke does a national search for Phoenix Reeves. And he gets four hits. Oh, my gosh. So he automatically rules three of them out. Because one of them, I guess, has been dead for a while. Definitely not Uh our Phoenix. No. Two of them have really well-established lives with okay. birthdays, social security numbers, and families. Okay. So he's like it, in neither of those two. But this uh-huh. fourth Phoenix Reeves didn't exist until January 2012. It randomly oh my showed gosh. up in January 2012 uh-huh. with no date of birth and no social security oh. number and no connected relatives. Oh, my. That would have to be her. The only thing linked to this name is an address in Anchorage, Alaska. 
Oh, interesting. And the paper trail ends in June 2012. Stop it. No. Oh, my goodness. So Joe and Dean go to Alaska. Good. They go to the neighborhood where this address was and they take Uh her picture around and they're like, hey, do you know anyone? Her name is Phoenix. She would have been 23 at the time. Yeah. No one really recognizes her. And all of these neighbors were like, I've lived here for 20 years. I've lived here for 40 years. Oh, so they didn't recognize her picture. They go to the address that was associated with Phoenix. Uh And they speak with the woman who owns the house. Okay. And so, again, I don't know if this is my perception or if they let something slip here. Okay. Because the actual conversation with the homeowner is not recorded. It's Joe goes and talks to her and then he comes back to the car and tells the camera what happened. Okay. He said that he went and he talked with this woman and she said, I've owned this house since 2002 I don't know anyone named Phoenix and I have never rented a room out in this house. Okay. Does anything stick out to you about that? Because the first thing I want to know is did Joe mention renting a room or did this? Yeah. That's, well, yeah. I assumed when she said that, that that's that Joe had mentioned that. Or did the homeowner volunteer that information? because they don't specify in the documentary documentary my first thought is this woman just volunteered i've never rented a room before maybe that was a slip and she just gave away information that maybe phoenix did live there and maybe she didn't rent a room but maybe this woman offered her shelter for a little bit. Maybe she couch surfed. She didn't rent I don't a room. Know. She was sleeping on the couch. And maybe Phoenix paid her part of this $2,500 not to tell anyone if they came to look for her. Interesting. Because she was only associated with this address for six months. Crazy. And and that woman obviously lived there during the time that she would have been there. Right. So. And the other thing that I just thought about just now is um, I she said she didn't know anyone named Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is not a name you come across very often. So, yeah, no. When you when you move and you fill out a mail forwarding card. Uh huh. It only lasts for six months. I'm yeah. I'm wondering if Phoenix used the name Phoenix Reeves and in order to in order to get th- something as simple as even a library card you have to have a piece of mail with your address on it. Oh, I'm yeah. wondering if she did something like fill out a mail forwarding card and use this random address in Anchorage. Maybe because but that gosh. would that would explain this six months. Six months is very specific. Yeah. So where did she go after that? No idea. But Joe and Dean, after going up there, both of them agree. And keep in mind, this is a federal agent and an mm-hmm. ex deputy chief of police. Yeah, they know their shit. Both of them say they have a gut feeling that Phoenix was there. Well. Yeah, so do I. And 
it's Anchorage. It is desolate. That's somewhere you go. That, out of all places, right? you're going to pick Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, it's the exact tap opposite out. of St. Louis. Well, yeah, but I'd tap out simply just because of the cold. January to June. It, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. It's Alaska. It's cold. I'm done. I've, I've like, heard it's not that bad during the summer. Well, but then it's like light all day. Isn't that Alaska? Not where by it's June. Like, that, it would be more like July or August. Ugh, she's only there for six months. Too. Or, or weird. the paper trail said she was there for six months. Maybe she was and only there for what? a week. Six months is enough to then get like a whole new identity if you really wanted to yep. disappear. Yeah. So Joe and Chandrea basically bring their their findings to Goldia and Lawrence. Goldia is not having a single second of it. She what again? She gets angry. Like that's a little odd. I'm telling you, like when when Joe is like, we think that she left on her own. Goldia is like, why? Tell me why. Why would she do that? Well, you know what? No, I I get where she's coming from. You never want to think that your child left and disappeared and wanted to get a whole new identity to possibly get away from you. No, but their reasoning is flimsy. Like real flimsy. Like Lawrence, he said the main reason he thought she did not run away on her own was that he didn't see her pack a bag that day. Uh, Yeah, that really flimsy. Yeah, that's okay. What were you watching her all the time? Right. And like, yeah. So like, that's weird. They just seem like two parents in denial. Yeah. In denial. And then creating their own, maybe narratives in their head of what could have happened. And so when you even mention something that is not in that possibility in their head, they get, pissed and actually and defensive goldia gets so defensive that chandrea and joe genuinely have her best interests at heart yeah they're helping her they're really trying trying to help help. yeah goldia says that she that they're vilifying her daughter yeah that's interesting i I need to watch this documentary to get my yeah you should and then my feels on it because i'd be really interested i will but to me, and I read a couple Reddit forums, almost everybody says that Goldia was acting weird. Like, it's it's like she was very specifically trying to paint this golden girl picture of her daughter. Which... I get it. Like when you're a parent and you have a daughter that's honestly Uh as amazing as Phoenix was, of course you Uh want to remember the good. Exactly. That's where, that's what I'm thinking about it. But it's, it's like they were hiding the bad. It's like they didn't, they wanted to cover it and bury it. And would two investigators, a reporter and somebody who specializes in sex trafficking, when they come to you to help you, you need to tell them everything. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh man, I have so many thoughts about this. Right. Again, like I I see Goldia's, I see the psychology of where she's coming from. 
I see it but too. Then, but then at the same time, it's like you need to be real about who your daughter was. Exactly. As a parent, I will say I see it though. I see where you want to always protect, you know, and not let the those parts come to light, especially when your daughter is missing. But that's when they need to come to light because people yeah, need to I know. know who she yeah. was. And it's not so hard. It's not destroying her memory to say that, yeah, she she hit a boyfriend for me. Yeah, she and I were fighting. It's so important. Why would she hide that they were fighting leading up? Well, Goldie, uh, it's Goldie. Goldie. Uh, Gold. She's now Goldie Hawn. Goldie uh, also seems to me just from everything you said that that she really cares about what other people think of her as yes, well. That's what it so, sounds like. So then, you know, your daughter is amazing. Everybody knows it. You usually give credit to parents for that. And now there's all this stuff coming to light and your daughter potentially once wanted to be rid of you. That's a little, you know, right. Hard to, hard to take in the pride department. Yeah. It's just, you know, she's overly defensive and something about the fact about how defensive she is makes me think that there's so much more to this story that she's not sharing because of her precious mm -hmm. image. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because maybe that's the one thing that could help find right. her. It could I don't be know. that one little thing. And I think it's important to mention that regardless of if Phoenix left on her own or not, the fact is that she is still classified as a missing person. And just mm -hmm. because she left on her own does not mean that she is safe. Exactly. So that, I mean, honestly, she going back to the desperate thing, she may have been tricked in and it was a big part. And I didn't focus on this, but it was a very big part of this documentary that they were focusing on the sex trafficking aspect. And Something that they brought up multiple times is that sex traffickers are sly and they can mm -hmm. they can get you sucked in so easy. So what if she did leave on her own, but she was tricked into something in order to get out because she was so desperate that they sold her something that she didn't understand. Um, but anyway, uh, because Phoenix is still classified as missing, the uh -huh. St. Louis County Police Department is still investigating it and they are still uh -huh. following up on leads. So okay. if, I know I don't think we have a ton of Midwest listeners, but if we have any uh -huh. who are local to the area and know anything or even nationwide, if you think you see Phoenix, call the St. Louis County Police Department at 314-889-2341. Gosh, I want to know where she is. Right. There's just there's so many facets to this that mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think that she was abducted. First of all, just nothing about the way her car was found. Um, nothing about anything that has been released so far, because I feel yeah. like I feel like if she was abducted, the police would release the GPS information mm -hmm. about her cell phone. I'm leaning more towards she left on her own and I don't think Goldia and Lawrence ever want to even entertain that idea. No, um, they absolutely did not. 
they are convinced that someone took her. Mm-hmm. Like even her leaving willingly but being tricked into sex trafficking is not a possibility. They think she was abducted. Well, this is just a bummer case. I hope that she's either somewhere and she's safe or that's, I guess, the only best, right. best case. I mean, I hope she's is somewhere. That she's somewhere and she's safe and she is just living and a life she wants to live. And she's thriving and happy. Yeah. I, ho- I yeah. hope she's doing well because honestly, yeah. from everything that is seen in this documentary the last few months of her life she was not happy she was not doing yeah. good she was mentally in bad. a very strange place uh-huh. that's too bad yeah Whew. those unsolved ones i it's i love hate them <laughs> yeah and um especially with i mean they dropped the ball on this one for two weeks um yeah and I don't, I don't even know if I could confidently point the finger at anyone in particular, because it's like, according to the information no. they had, they did what the rule book said to do. So, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I don't know either. Mm. Well, I hope someone, somewhere, has information that will give the parents some type of closure. Yeah. I think that's the best we can hope for at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they get closure sometime in their lifetimes because they're both, they're pretty old. I think they're in their seventies now. Well, if Phoenix is out there, I hope she contacts the police and just lets them know, Hey, let my parents know that I'm safe and I'm happy. And, and actually it's interesting you say that because for a long time Phoenix and Lawrence had a Facebook page devoted to trying to find Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It's not up anymore. Hmm. But there's a different Facebook page run by someone who's not affiliated with the family who just wants oh, okay. answers and they Okay. Um, they even just posted um I think January 2020 was the last time a post went up that I could see. Mhm. And in the comments and in the posts, it's just it's very prolific that people are like, Phoenix, if you're reading this, just tell your parents you're okay. It's yeah. not even like come home. It's not mm-hmm. it's not like get yourself out. It's like people I think the general consensus is people think that she's off living her she, best life. Yeah. And yeah, just if you are, let your parents know. Let, or call the police. You don't. She doesn't even have to call her parents if right. that causes like just call the too police, much. Tell them that you're safe and you don't want to be found. Like that girl who went missing last year, that yeah, that 18 year old who vanished, and then like a week later, she contacted the police and said, "No, I'm fine. I went missing on my yeah. own." Tell my parents I never want to talk to them again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be shitty, but okay. At least we know. Yeah. At least you have the closure. Yeah. So that was um, the, it wasn't as long as I thought we are actually under under two hours. So look at us. Sometimes we think it's going to be short and it ends up five hours and we think it's (laughs) going to be too long and it ends up short. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, you know, I can tell Any everybody news? right now. <laughs> I started a TikTok. <laughs> I know. It's awful. 
It's not awful. Good for you. First my, of all, my sad just, little introduction video I posted. Today. I did. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I should do one too. And then I'm like, no, I don't want anyone to know what I look like. So, uh, so good for you. Yeah. And by the way, can I say your hair looked really good oh, on that? Like with because usually I only hair. see I only see your hair up and back. And so I was like, oh, there's hair down, Crystal. Very nice. <laughs> And I liked it and I applauded. I saw it. Thank you. (laughs) Because you know why, Crystal? It takes two seconds to tap that little (laughs) heart. Okay? Just FYI. Two seconds it took me. My day wasn't ruined. I like was able to. It didn't take time away from anything. Just You guys, please, for the love of God, like our posts. Cat is I losing think, her mind over here. I think I'm one of those people that do get the pheromone high off of like when people like my stuff. So I'm like, oh, no one likes it. I just feel like every post is that like party I invite people to in elementary school. And no one and, shows like, up. And no one shows up. It's so just the weird just... kids that you only invited because you had to. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? They end up being the funnest people. Oh man! <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'll probably uh, I'll get the hang of it eventually. Um, I think it's so awkward for me because TikTok is so you're much doing about great. showing your face. Yeah, and I'm I'm not that cute, so like I don't oh, like showing stop. my face. Terrence kicking stop. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kicking you too, and I'm over here. You're the face of alternative interests. Oh, it's man. perfect. It's if awesome. only I were the skull. That's our actual face <laughs> of alternative interests. I know. <laughs> Although I did really enjoy. How did you do the animation on the um the when you were when you posted about the YouTube channel, how did you make the that into a GIF with I like the pedals? Didn't. That oh. is Jordan and his amazing art skills. He oh my made goodness! The video for us. Nice. Well, thumbs up to Jordan. That was awesome. Yes, that's why I'm saying like Jordan is fantastic, and he has been so yeah. helpful. And he on he's just great. Like he well, takes, we love Jordan. He volunteers his time. He made this video. Um, I'm gonna give him a plug. And you know, Jordan yeah, is so really really funny. He and I recently had a conversation about this because Jordan is located in the UK, and we uh-huh. were talking about cultural differences a little bit. And he yeah. was talking about how secondhand embarrassment is really common there i didn't realize it was so common like and it's it's deep i guess um really jordan i'm gonna give you a little bit of embarrassment right now and i'm real (laughs) sorry but you guys jordan like jordan took one of our episodes and he made it into a preview video he made the graphics and then he sent me a snippet and he just said, hey, I, I like your podcast. I just heard about you guys. Here's this video I made for you. Let me know if you like it and I'll help you get on YouTube. Oh, my gosh. So, like completely. I had never heard of him or his podcast before. And he just like sent me this and he's a wonderful human being. So uh, um, I hope high you, five Jordan. I, I hope you're blushing real hard right now, Jordan. Yeah, you're so nice. He's so nice. 
Um, just really quick for our listeners listening. So now we are on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Thanks to Crystal. Um, we're on YouTube and we are on Facebook. Um, I will say this. It, it was hard for me to search us on YouTube. Okay. So I, I don't know how we fix that. I like, think it's just because I, we don't have that many followers. Our user, I will, well, I still couldn't even find it. Interesting. I will see if I, cause it, we do have a couple followers, but okay. I will, I will work on that. And you guys, let me know if, um, you guys know how to make it easier to find. It could just be that I'm doing it wrong. I'm telling. I said okay. it in the TikTok video t- today. Yeah. I'll say it again. I'm real bad at social media. So. Yeah. Any TikTok experts? We would love. Uh, le- well, Crystal would because I'm never showing my face on there. But uh, but any. Oh, maybe I could one day. I don't know. Any TikTok experts would be nice. You did a great job, though, with the Heather Elvis preview of the music. And I thought that was good. I was so confused. It took me all day. Me and my husband, we liked it. (laughs) Thanks, Kyle. (laughs) Anyway, the outro is getting a little long. It's late, (laughs) you guys. We get get a little loosey-goosey when it's late. That's why we had to up the recording time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you right. know, connect with us somewhere. Like a yes. post here and there. Um, yes, please. Cat might come for you. <laughs> yes, I will. I definitely will. <laughs> um, we appreciate all of you. I'm not we saying do. we don't. We The downloads yeah. um, are what get my endorphins up. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.